This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Italian American Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We talk to experts, authors, and everyday Italian Americans on all things Italian from traditions, culture, food, genealogy, travel, and more. Ciao a tutti. I'm Anthony Fasano, your host. I have with me my co-host, Dolores Alfieri. And in today's episode, it's it's a special episode. It's today's Mother's Day, and we changed it up quite a bit. We've got a really, really exciting episode. Dolores, why don't you tell our listeners what you got in store here? Anthony, I love this episode. I'm so excited to share it with everyone. We pulled together some of our past guests. We have some beautiful women on the show, Adriana Trigiani. Rosella Rago, Michele Malozzi, and then I also speak with my own mother, and we just, you know, took all the segments, asked them all to talk about their mothers, their nonnas, and, you know, what an Italian-American mother is to them, and we put it all together, and it's it's really a beautiful tribute to one of the most revered and important figures in the Italian-American family, La Mamma. Yeah, that's for sure. And in addition to all these great stories about Italian mothers, at the end of the episode, Dolores and I, in the story segment, we kind of reflect a little bit about our connection with the homeland of Italy. Right. We, we get into, you know, we talk so much about being Italian, Italian-American, but there's really, truly nothing like visiting the villages that you came from. And Absolutely. Dolores and I both had the opportunity to do that. And we kind of talk about it a little bit and we talk about this new venture that we're um, kind of embarking upon to try to help more Italian Americans do just that. So before we give you a really powerful quote to get us into today's episode, we'd like to give you a word from our sponsor, the National Italian American Foundation. I'm John Viola, president of the National Italian American Foundation, proud supporters of the Italian American podcast. At NIAF, we see ourselves as leaders for the entire Italian-American community. We work to protect our great heritage, promote the Italian language, build stronger ties between Italy and the United States, and serve as your voice in our nation's capital. Most importantly, with over a million dollars a year in scholarships and grants, our efforts provide young Italian-Americans help in earning a solid education and becoming leaders for tomorrow. To find out more about how your support serves the community, visit us online at www.niaf.org and become a part of the NIAF family today. All right, so now before we dive into what is our 40th episode of the Italian American podcast, which we're thrilled about, I want to to turn (laughs) it over to Dolores just for a couple of notes and, and a powerful quote. So very quickly, we have a lot of different people on this episode. So we just want to make a quick note that some of the audio might, you know, switch in sound and just sound a little different from the 
one that came before and the one that comes after. Adriana and I had a, had a little tricky connection. So her audio, we had to switch from different modes of recording. So, you know, still sounds great, like always. But if you hear a little switch, that's why. All right, Anthony, for our quote, this is one of my favorite Italian sayings. And I have really found it to be very, very true. Una mamma italiana è una benedizione di Dio. An Italian mother is a blessing from God. Okay, everyone, now I have with me Rosella Rago, host of Cooking with Nonna. Rosella, welcome to the Italian American Podcast. Hi, Dolores. Thank you for having me again. Of course. We love speaking with you. And I was just telling you that I, I wish uh, everyone could have heard our 15-minute conversation we just had before we got on mic. I'm oh, like, God. <laughs> like My stomach hurts from laughing so hard. So, Thank um, goodness they didn't. That's, what, that's, that's another show. That's Rosella's a, show. a lot of fun, everyone. So obviously this is a Mother's Day special and who better to speak to than someone who deals with so many of our beloved nonas. So just to kick it off, I mean, maybe you want to tell us a little bit about your Italian-American mother and of course your Italian-American nonas and just tell us a little bit about them and how they've influenced you. So, I mean, I was really raised with a lot of mother figures all over the place throughout my life. And I grew up as a first-generation Italian-American in Brooklyn, New York. And my mother is, you know, she's mine. She's my mother. But I also had my nonna and I had my nonna sister, my great aunts. And then I would go to Italy every summer and I would have my nonna's other sisters. So my nonna has three other sisters and... All of them have been like nonnas to me, have been like mothers to me. And then I grew up in a neighborhood full of people from the same town in Italy as my family is from. So I, my best friend's mother is kind of like my bonus mom. And I think it's really important when you look at your mother to realize that, you know, at a certain point in your life, you start realizing that your mom is not perfect, is not 100% perfect. And that's totally okay because it was okay for me because I had so many other mother figures that gave me different things. Like my mother is so theatrical and such a talented artistic person. And that with that comes, you know, deep concentration and having to, to have your art be your love, so to speak. So there were other things that if I wanted eggs at the very last minute, my other mother, my friend's mother, Dora, would make them for me at the drop of a hat. And, you know, when if, if I wanted to do silly kid things, you know, my, my nonna would always be there with that comforting presence. So I think it's important to appreciate all the Italian mamas that you know, even if they aren't necessarily yours. I think that's really well said. There's very much a trait in a sisterhood amongst Italian-American women, and I was fortunate enough to grow up that way, too. I had, of course, my, my blood mother, and then I had my aunt next door, who I, I always call my second mother, and then there were another extension of all these aunts who really, they're like mothers to you, and you take advice from them, and they feed you, and they braid your hair, and they love you as if you're their daughter. Oh, absolutely. I think as an Italian American woman, you know, now that I'm getting a little bit older, you start to really feel that mother instinct that you're endowed with. And some people feel it 
earlier in their lives and people feel later in their lives. And me, you know, growing up around food, I'm constantly, you know, feeding people no matter who they are. It's like, I don't like you, but are you hungry? (laughs) And I just, and I don't know where that comes from. And I, I totally attribute it to being an Italian American woman. And it's, uh, it's this inherent need to, to care for people. Right. And food's really a, a large way that Italian American mothers do that. Yes, a hundred percent. You really you know, know better than anyone else that you you know we've had like birthday. I don't know if I've told this story before on the show, but we've had like birthdays here. Remember one year, my mom's was my mom's birthday. You know, she likes staying home and being in her house, so we all come over. But since she doesn't, we don't want her to cook. She loves Chinese food. She's like, let's order Chinese food. So, <laughs> so there's Chinese food on the table with like 13 of us around the table, like we always are on family dinner nights. But it's like just not the same. You feel that without her cooking and the love that she puts into that cooking on the table, it's not the same. Yeah, it's different even going out I yeah. mean, on Mother's Day or something. Or like, you know, you're going to go out on Mother's Day. It's amateur day at the restaurant you know everybody's stressed out the whole kitchen's probably backed up it's it's you know the second i think it's the first busiest day it's like between mother's day and valentine's day it's like the two worst days to ever eat out at a restaurant yeah because nobody wants their mothers to cook so they'll take them out yeah (laughs) but and then italian people are the worst eating out period especially for italian food because like you're eating at the restaurant and like my father's never he's like Ah, uh-huh. It wasn't that good. <laughs> we make it better. Yep. And I'm like, then why are we here? Like, 100%. What? It's like you're never satisfying any of these people. I feel terrible for any chefs that cook at a restaurant for Italian-American people. It's it, so it's true. Just... It's so true. You know, you also grew up with your, your nonna. So do you want to talk a little bit about her influence on you and what you've kind of, you know, you mentioned that you're getting older now yourself. What do you feel like she's given you? as as a woman as you get older my nonna has given me the most um most important outlook on things because where my mom can be very dramatic you know because she's she's an actor and she's a writer and you know she she feeds off of dramatic situations and stuff and everything that ever happened to her she you know has to tell and retell and she doesn't <laughs> let go of things but because she uses it for as material, you know, right. later on in, in her work. <laughs> my nonna is actually very passive and had like the hardest life I could ever, you know, she was widowed at 29 mm. and had to, you know, leave one of her children in Italy and, and just had a very difficult time in, in this country, in, in Italy too. But like, especially as like an Italian American, um, she had, she had a difficult, uh, a difficult story. You know, and no matter what has ever happened to her, she just says, I accept everything that has ever happened to me. And I accept that it was God's plan. She's very religious. And and um, if, you know, if God wanted my husband to live, he would have lived. God wanted me to live this life for a reason. And she totally accepts it. And it's uh, I want to feel that that kind of calm energy only comes with age and experience because I don't have it. (laughs) But um, when I am (laughs) feeling really, really stressed and overwhelmed, she's just the comforting presence in my life that tells me that it's all going to be fine. It's a good example to live by. And I I do think it does probably come with going through enough and surviving it. And, you know, and then you just also get tired. (laughs) 
Yeah, and then be just like, whatever. Exactly. All right. Yeah. All right. That happened. Nothing I could do about that. So (laughs) it's, you know, there's a lot of beautiful lessons to learn from people who have lived very hard lives and survived them. You know, they have a wisdom that, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to get in this day and age. Definitely. From the way we live. There's so much there with every with every lady I work with, with every woman I meet. And, you know, I'm so lucky because even doing the book and putting all these women together and being able to spend time with them. If anything happens to me, I have at least 50 women I could call that would care. Absolutely. And that would listen to me like I was their granddaughter. You know, with Italian-American women, there is no hard fine line like oh well you're not my daughter you're not mine so it doesn't they treat you all like you're their grandchildren it's well said is there anything in dealing with all these italian american nonas that stands out to you in terms of something that makes them really special i think their simplicity makes them very special like in the introduction to the book i wrote the one thing they all have in common and this is, is your that, just so everyone knows we'll link to it in the show notes but this is your cooking with nona cookbook yes the cooking with nona cookbook in the um introduction there was a line that says you know the the one thing that they all have in common is that they don't know that they're extraordinary you know they don't realize that there aren't women like them anymore you know that they they don't make them like they used to especially this last living generation i always say is the last generation of the the true nonna that you know makes sauce all day and wear the vestaglia and that really live that way you know my grandmother is one of the most simple italian grandmothers i think that's why people love her so much and see they see someone that they knew in her because you know she doesn't dye her hair and she doesn't wear makeup and she doesn't judge yeah as much or anything so but that simplicity is so appreciated by people yeah it's kind of down to the basics feed people love people take care of people be humble and they're also selfless about it you know they live lives of sacrifice so other people can be happy and comfortable and well-fed i mean how many italian grandmothers do you know that feed everyone first and like never sit down it's true and eat by themselves in the kitchen after everybody's done. Like, it's true. And and I always ask my mom when I see her, you know, running around, I say to her, how do you do it? And she says, love. Yeah. That's her answer. Exactly. And it's so different when you look at the way we are today as a generation. And we're kind of so much more self-absorbed. Like, we can't help it because of, you know, social media and all of these things. And to see people that just aren't because even though that's in their world, you know, they close an eye to it, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah, well said. I think Italian-American mothers and nonas really do give us an example of how to still be human in today's day and age. And to remember that to take care of a family and to keep a family together is a lot of work, but it's worth it. Yeah, it, it really is. To see the satisfaction that they get from it, really motivates me and it inspires me that we today we're we're more educated we do amazing things as women but that's not all there is to let you know financial success business success that's not all that there is to life family aspect 
can be so beautiful and gratifying as well. Exactly. Beautifully said. So Rosella, as we wrap up here, we're so grateful you gave us some of your time. We know you're, you're jaunting around promoting your book and you're on television and, and we know you're really busy. We're so proud of you. And Thank to you. all our listeners, the book is so beautiful. Both Anthony and I have a copy. You know, Again, we'll link to it in the show notes. Definitely pick up your own copy if you haven't already. But just to wrap up, is there anything you would like to say to your mother and your nonna on this Mother's Day? My mother and my nonna are so different as women. And I thank God for both of them exactly as they are, because they created such a beautiful cocktail of love in my life that I was able to pull from, mm. you know, to, to create this business full of love that I have. And, you know, they, they really made me the person that I am today. Beautifully said. Rosella, I look forward to uh, seeing you when your life calms yes. down a little bit, if your life calms yes, down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope it does. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, thanks again, and we'll talk soon. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me again. I, this was wonderful. And happy Mother's Day. A tutte le mamme, a tutte le nonne. All right, everyone. Now we have with us... Michela Malozzi, host and executive producer of Bare Feet with Michela Malozzi. Hi, Michela. Hi, ciao. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I'm great, but I have to say to our listeners before we begin that I'm speaking to you right now and you are fresh off of winning yet another New York yeah. Emmy Award yeah. for your show. And very we are exciting. so excited for you and so Thank proud you. of you. Thank you. Thank I mean, you how wonderful. You. I saw footage from the night at the award ceremony and it was so cute. It was so exciting. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a surprise when I was up against pretty tough competition. So I was just happy to be there, but it was a, even a better treat to, to be awarded and recognized. But um, what an honor. It's always nice to be recognized for all the hard work you put into oh, something totally. for sure. So we are happy to have you here for our Mother's Day special, and uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about your Italian-American mother and grandmother, yep. of course, Nonna Pina, if people know if they watched, they've watched yeah. your show. Let's start with just what do you think made your Italian-American mother and even grandmother, well, I guess your grandmother wouldn't be Italian-American, she'd be Italian, but still. Because she's, she's still in Italy, right? Yeah, but she, interestingly enough, my family came over in the 60s. And my grandmother lived in the United States for about 25 years before she and my grandfather moved back ah, to Italy. Okay. Yeah, to, One of those stories. Yeah, to take care of her in-laws. So she uh, was a transplant and then, and then immigrated back. So she's kind of a, kind of a mixture of the two. You know? I see. Yeah. So with both of them and whoever you want to talk about, you know, so is there anything that made them unique to you because of this specific heritage that we share? Oh, yeah. Well, I would start with my grandmother. You know, she grew up during World War Two in a town that was completely destroyed by it was a, a front between the Americans and the Germans. So that experience in itself, both my grandparents, but my grandmother especially, you know, she saw family members shot in front of her. They would have to run literally to the hills and hide when the bomb sirens would be going off and they were being told that the bombs were going to be dropped and they would starve and eat grass. I mean, these are stories that people hear about, but this is 
so growing up, we never wasted food. Um, still, you know, I, I, I can't stomach throwing away food and, and it's from my grandmother's, um, stories and not to be sad, but of just like, this is how, you know, we value food. We value, um, the, the amount of work that goes into growing food. She still has her olive trees, her fig trees, her own garden. And when we go to Italy and she would have her chickens and we kill the chickens together and eat the eggs. And these are things that we, she takes pride in. So I value that the amount of, of hard work that goes into preparing a meal and the amount of, um, gratitude for having a meal and having food on the table. Um, so that's something, you know, I've always taken from my grandmother and also my grandmother has the most incredible memory and she's such a great storyteller. Um, and so when I was a kid, she would always sing us songs and do voices and, and tell us these stories in such unique ways. And I think that's where I get my, I'd like to imitate people in my family. I do really good imitations. And I've used that skill when I'm approaching people for dance. Like I'm just imitating them, not mocking them, but just imitating their movements. And um, I think I get that from my grandmother. She's very good at taking on people's personas and, and telling these stories uh, through their eyes. So I think that's something I really picked up from, from Nonna Pina. But my mother, my mother's outgoingness my mother and she's a she's a workaholic she's very outgoing and she's sounds like you yeah and she's a, <laughs> I'm like a spitting image of my mom and she is a juggler of jobs and you know she's always constantly cooking and doing things her hands in every sort of project that's available and she's always doing them well and she's such a great voice for our Italian American community in Stamford Connecticut right. and I think or I know that that upbringing of being a person who is, who loves genuinely to be involved in things, not for the sake of being seen, but because she loves the community. She loves being a part of this Italian American community. She loves her heritage. She's the one who started the sister city Sagra della Renia. That's the festival of the wheat that you see in Italy that we film in our episode. She started the Stamford, the Connecticut celebrations that would happen simultaneously the same day here in our sister city. So for her, you know, she really helped preserve our culture in our own family. Aside from just speaking the language and cooking the food, she really was the one in the family that said, you know, our next generation has to preserve these and maintain these cultures. I'm going to do my best to try and do that. And I really picked that up from my mom. She also loves to travel. She was a travel agent for a little while when I was a kid. So I Is remember, that right? Yeah. So I remember sitting under her desk flipping through travel brochures and looking at airplanes and, you know, and I think that obviously had a big impact on my life of wanting to get on a plane and, and go to these beautiful places. I remember seeing all the, the, the brochures of Rome and the Leaning Tower of Pisa and, and all these interesting places. And I, I think that love for travel in her really got passed down to me, especially. And now she's like, Michaela gets to live out my dream of traveling even more. So it's, I'm literally a spitting image of my mom. It sounds like she was a really big influence on you. Yeah, of course. And, and a terrific woman and a great example for, you know, any young daughter. And of course you have a sister as well. So I'm sure it's in some ways similar, but different, of course, but you know, we, it's, it's hard not to be influenced by a uh, strong Italian American mother. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so did you know that your Italian-American mother was different from your American friends' mother? 
Yeah, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> I mean, she's her own person. And I think, I mean, if people who know my mom in general, in the Italian-American community and outside the Italian-American community, she is a very strong-willed, strong personality because, how do I explain this? She's very excited about things. Talking about the video that you said you saw of me winning the Emmy, she's that excited about life all the time, about everything, you know? So I think it has to be attributed to the fact that her Italian-American roots because of her experiences of coming to this country. She was 11 when she came to America. And I think they didn't have English as a second language courses in her middle school when she came to America. She had to go into the school and just take class in a language that she didn't understand. Same with her sister. Same with my grandmother. You know, she came to America and my grandmother learned how to drive a car, unlike any of her other women that were in her generation. You know, my grandmother was very independent and my mother saw her as a, a wonderful role model of being an independent woman who worked and helped be a breadwinner in the family as well as raising children in the family, but also being a pivotal person in the society of seeing I'm a woman and I'm going to be independent. I'm going to drive. I'm not going to depend on my husband to drive me around, which, you know, that doesn't sound quite as impactful now, but back in 1966, coming from an immigrant family, that's huge. Yeah. So my mother saw that and my mother is very strong willed and she has her own voice. You know, we don't always agree, but it's funny. You Everyone knows who my mom is because she is such a character. She's so giving. She will do anything for anyone. And she just loves being a part of the community. I can't, I can't. Yeah. Stress well, I've enough. actually met her. I met her at the, an event that you were at and, <laughs> yeah. you know, just goes to show what you're saying. She was there being a part of the community because mm -hmm. it was an Italian American themed event and mm -hmm. it was with the National Organization of Italian American Women and she was there supporting you. Yeah. So she was very much a part of that and she was super friendly and very easy to talk to and I, you know, I still remember her. she made an impression just as yeah. you're saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My sister is physically disabled and that had a huge impact on my mother in the sense that she realized that she had to all of a sudden use her voice to represent my sister who wasn't being represented in the public school system as she had wanted to, you know, getting her in mainstream schooling. And that impacted both my sister and I. My sister now is a brilliant, brilliant, she always has been a brilliant young woman, but she is running her own business. She has a company where she is making technologies to make iPhones and tablets accessible for people with disabilities. Now, my sister wouldn't have that initiative without someone like my mom. You know, my mom is someone, you don't say no to my mother. She's very, she's very convincing. And I think that, you know, that definitely is an Italian American thing. You just can't say no to her. And we've picked up that, um, those characteristics of there's always a possibility Right. It goes to show the importance of a, a right example like that, how far it can take someone, even, um, you know, someone in your sister's situation, that that's a, an energy that that lesson, that example really gave her. Yeah. And my mom is the Energizer Bunny. She never runs out of energy, never runs out of <laughs> No matter what uh -huh. the wall is that comes in front of her, you know, it was a huge struggle to be able to gain independence for my sister and my mother who never took no for an answer. And again, it's not this stubbornness 
in a negative way. It's the stubbornness in a very positive reinforcing way of, well, this is a no. Well, I'm going to make a right turn and maybe that's a path I can go exactly. down. Exactly. Well said. Yeah. And there's a, a stop sign here. Well, I'm going to make a left and maybe there's a path that opens there. And that's what my mother has always instilled in the both of us is there's always a possibility. You can never just settle for the norm, you know, the status quo. That's not acceptable. And I don't know where, I mean, she really is her own person. She's quite a remarkable and funny and interesting character. And she's different from any other mom that I've met, especially from my American friends. I remember my friends, we'd come home from dance rehearsal or it'd be 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. And my mom has a full meal ready. (laughs) (laughs) That's classic. Yes, I do. That can only be an Italian-American mom. Yeah. You know, like full on <laughs> pasta, you know, yeah. meat, salad. I, I remember friends from high school, if you like, if even you talk to them now, my American friends would be like, come home and be, you know, like you said, 11 o'clock at night or something. And my mom would be in the kitchen making a cheesecake. Yep. And yep. they'd be like, why are you making a cheesecake? And she'd go, I had cream cheese in the fridge. I didn't want it to go bad. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, you have so many other things that you're doing right now, yeah. but you still have time, find time to do that. And she does yeah. that all the time. She does yeah. that all the time. It's, it's amazing. They, I mean, Italian American mothers awe me with their energy yeah. and yeah. Uh, determination constantly. And I think you just, in your descriptions of your mother really, you know, touched on something that I think Italian American women really offer, which is this blend of independence mm-hmm. And loyalty to the family. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it's not this completely, I sacrifice, of course they sacrifice completely, but meaning I have no identity, it's all my family. Right, right. You know, that's in there, but it's in there through this independence of, and I'm also my own woman, and yep. no one's going to push me around, and no one's going to say no to me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you do not say no to my mom, because yeah. she'll figure out a way for you to not say no. Yeah, it's... you'll think you said no. Right, right, right. <laughs> Even if you're like, do you want seconds? No. Okay, here's a little more. No yeah, big deal. You know, you like, know. <laughs> in everything in life, you cannot say no to my mom. I love it. Well, Michaela, as we wrap up here, thank you so much for giving us some of your time. I did just want to give you a chance to say something, if you wish, to your mother on this Mother's Day. Oh, yes. I love you, Mom, even though I drive you crazy. <laughs> but you drive us all crazy. So it's a mutual craziness since I've spawned from you. This is... You've made me who I am. But no, I really appreciate everything you've done for our family, for my sister and I, for everyone, and Nonna Pina too, of course. So happy Mother's Day. We love you very, very, very much. Ti voglio tanto bene. Okay, everyone. Now I am here with the one and only Adriana Trigiani best-selling author and of an upcoming new novel, Kiss Carlo, that I'm sure will also be a bestseller. We will link to that in the show notes. So, you know, stay tuned for that. And also stay tuned for Adriana. She will be on the Today Show on Monday morning, June 19th, which we will also list in the show notes. Adriana, welcome. Thank you for having me back, Dolores, on this Mother's Day edition of your great program. It's our pleasure. We always love speaking with you. It's such a treat. And we know you're about to start traveling around the entire country to promote Kiss Carlo and that you're just totally so busy. So I really just want to thank you once again for making time for us. Always, always happy to be here. 
so for our Mother's Day special, we're just talking to some of our past guests, you know, Italian-American mothers, like like most mothers, but we, we have a soft spot for them are, are, you know, really important part of our culture. And if you want to just start a little bit by telling us maybe a little bit about your mom or your nonna or any other Italian-American female mother figure in your life. To speak about my mom is probably the most wonderful thing I can do on Mother's Day. As my mother's uh, Ida Bonicelli Trajani. She was a librarian. She is a librarian. My mother is still very much alive, living in Big Stone Gap, Virginia. God bless. And she she's the greatest. And I will tell you why. She's very elegant and always had the most exquisite taste and still does. And I had an Italian mother that was very loving but also kind and serene and quiet and um, never said anything funny except one time. And she's a great (laughs) beauty. Yeah, she only said something funny because my dad was so funny that, you know, he was kind of the center of attention. Right. But she was, was, you know, a great beauty in her youth, but not that kind of beauty, if you know what I'm saying. A classic beauty. And therefore conducted herself as such. And I chronicled her parents' love story, fictionally, of course, in The Shoemaker's Wife. And so my mom was originally a character in that book, but it was very painful for me to include her and her twin sister in it. And I don't know why that I took it out. Oh, interesting. I edited it out, my, my mom and her twin sister. Because a lot of the stories that were in that book, my mother had told me. And it seemed so revelatory in a way that was so personal that I couldn't sort of do that to my mom. My mom's very private. So I fictionalized it as much as I could. So this this great Italian beauty marries this really bigger-than-life personality, my father, Anthony Trajani, and they have seven kids. My mom gives up her librarian career, which was a really big deal because my mom was uh, the architecture librarian at Notre Dame in uh, South Bend, Indiana. And she actually put the library together. There was nothing but kind of a bunch of books and a lot of dust. And my mom was a kid right out of college, and she put the architecture library together. And then in 1999, she was honored by the University of Notre Dame, which was another big deal, but she didn't tell us. So that gives you a little taste of my mom. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, very private and kind of just, yeah. She got my dad there. They got married there. My mom's a very devout Catholic. She has never to this day, I would say, worked through the grief of losing her father. Hmm. In fact, as I tell you this, I tear up. Yeah. It's a huge loss. Um, She was eight years old. Wow. Um, It was one of the first things I knew as a child was that my mother grew up without a father. And knowing that she grew up without her father, I knew everything about him. And I asked a lot of questions about him. So he always was very real to me as a a person. Mm. 
That's great. And so when I got old enough, it was tough because her mother, Lucia, who was called Lucy, Lucia Spada Bonicelli, Chisholm, Minnesota. She said, I don't like to talk about the past, but I would get her too. And I took a lot of notes of things she said. And then piecing together with a lot of things my cousins told me and that my mom told me and my aunts. And strangely enough, in Chisholm, Minnesota, the folks live long lives. And so they had long memories, too, about my grandmother and grandfather. And something else that was really key, Dolores, was the chronicling of the immigrant experience in the small town newspapers, like the Chisholm Free Press in Chisholm, Minnesota, which I pulled over. And the, the photography was beautiful. And the writing was exquisite. And... I mourn the loss of these small town papers as they crumble because we get the journalism we pay for, folks. Right. I mean, we really do. And if we don't pay for good writing, we won't have it in our culture. And I'm able to write these books of historical fiction because I have wonderful resources in terms of small town newspapers to read. You know, whether I'm writing Big Stone Gap or I'm writing South Philly or I'm writing Rosetta, Pennsylvania. They had a newspaper there, the Stella D. Rosetto, that was there for about 32 years. I, I have glorious papers to read, you know. And they're chronicling these, the you know, the everyday lives type things. Right. Yeah, exactly. So you... You did mention, you know, you, as most listeners know, that you, you grew up in Rosetto, Pennsylvania, which is... Uh, I, I, yeah, that's where um, my family, my father's family is from. And we lived there before we moved to Stone Gap, Virginia, when I was six. So I had a lot of, of wonderful memories of Rosetto. And we spent every summer there with my grandmother, Viola Trajani. She was of Venetian descent. In Italy, they say Perrine. But in America, they say parent, P-E-R-I-N. And if you go to go to the Santurbano, it's filled with parents, hmm. parent family. So she was strong and mighty and exacting. And I adored her, too. And I would say that was a relationship that grew over time. Hmm, interesting. But boy, by the end of her life, I still mourn the loss of her as I do mourn the loss of my grandma, Lucia, Lucy, so much so my daughter's named for her. Right. Adriana, you've written so many amazing Italian-American female characters. And I know from past conversations how much time you spent, as you just mentioned, like speaking to your grandmother, things like that about the their lives. Is there anything you feel like you can take away from all of that and share about Italian-American motherhood? Well, you know, we were always taught as kids not to put our business in the street, mm. to keep the business private. I don't think that lesson came from my father's side of the family so much, although my grandmothers were both very kind of resolute about that. But my mother was really clear about it. And the thing about being a writer is that you have to put your business in the street. It's about putting your business in the street. And then it's about about actually sharing your business in the street and and taking it from place to place. So I have a conflict there. Yeah. And I was always told, don't say so much. You're telling too much. I understand that. Because feelings are deeply private things, you know. And family business is family business. Often it's not sorted. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Right. That's what the island was invented for. That's where we put the people we're not talking to. They're on the island, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, because we're we're Catholic, and certainly I came from devout Roman Catholics, and I'm Catholic, I have the whole idea that, you know, there's an afterlife. So what we don't settle here, well, we'll see you on the other side. There's a sense of continuity, mm. you see. Mm-hmm. So, there's a vendetta. Well, it'll get figured out somewhere. <laughs> you, know, you sort of don't, you work with it, you know, but none of that stuff came from my, my grandmothers or my mom. They don't carry those things. I think those kinds of behaviors were carried out by the men more. Okay. Now I'm not dating the women as saints because, you know, you get attacked for that too. You know, I think if you want to read books about bad mothers, you're not going to read my books because they don't exist in them. The mothers in my books are it's not necessarily that they're not complex. They are complicated and complex characters, but they're working hard at being mothers and trying hard. And, and it's not that tragedy doesn't befall them and they necessarily, some of them can't fulfill their duties as mothers. It's not easy. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't set out to write or destroy the image of the mother. Because I think there's no greater role or more important role in the world. I think it's the most important job on the planet. That's not to take a thing away from fathers, but it's essential and fundamental to the development of human beings. Absolutely. And I think Italian mothers, they learn it generations old. Ways that we, we handle our babies and then our children and how we raise them. You know, it's little things, Dolores, you know, like my mother had seven children. I have one, which, of course, causes my mother to have a lot of big laughs, you know. (laughs) I'm very dramatic about everything. She said really simple things that I also modeled from her, which is you must have routine. And, you know, for an artist, routine is sort of the death of everything. (laughs) But it's essential in the life of a child that they feel secure warm, safe, loved, fed. I mean, these are the hallmarks of all mothers, but in particular, uh, the Italian mother, this is how she does it. You know, this is what we focus on. So my mother got it from her mother and went back to my great-grandmother and then all the way back. And every nugget of information that we can get historically about the family is always fascinating. And the stories that we have you know, we repeat and we carry, and that also comes from my mother. And I, I don't think it's any accident that I have a mother that's a librarian because she loved to read as much as I did. Right. You know, or I learned it from her. I know I learned it from her. And she had that reverence for my teachers and librarians and educators. The most important job in the world is to my mother was educating children. Mm. So... You know, I can't do any better than my mother. I mean, morally, I could never reach the kind of standards that she set. And by that, I mean, my mother had a code that was irrefutable. And she used to say, you know, like an arrow, you know, like an arrow through light. Mm. That's how your moral character should be. And your moral compass has to be true. And this personal relationship with God, you have to have that. And, you know, as I go on in life and as I get older and I, you know, I look ahead to the dirt nap, as my brother calls it. (laughs) 
as I look ahead to the dirt nap, you know, everything we do, no matter what you believe, it's about earning your salvation, whatever you think that is. And my mother taught me that. It was her example. And she's still teaching me, even though she's much older now and compromised in certain ways. If you bring my mother a bowl of grapes, she will hand you the bowl and say, here, you eat them. Mm -hmm. That's my mother. But that's every Italian mother that everybody listening to this podcast can appreciate. Because it's always you first. And your needs and your safety, your security, your hunger, your warmth, your feelings. And that's not to say there weren't a lot of expectations and hopes and dreams. And, of course, there's all of that. And those are the complexities I love to write about because I think that's what makes for interesting dynamics among characters. Sure. But as far as mothers are concerned, it's a sort of a sacrosanct role. It isn't even sort of. It is really a sacrosanct role because of, I think, the way we are taught the rosary and the Blessed Mother that she is to be revered. So it's very hard then to get out in the world and work and realize that in many places women are worse than second-class citizens and half the places in the world don't teach women how to read, girls meaning yeah. how to mm-hmm. read. And we have to really find ways to own our promise because it's really about that. You know, you and I talk a lot about Italian-American writers yes, and Italian-American women writers. Mm-hmm. Well, the great Helen Berolini really cut a path for us, didn't she? Yeah. And her husband was a writer, and she did a lot for him, too, you know, editing and doing so on and so forth for him. Helen Berolini really cut the path, but I could sit here and talk about great Italian-American writers down the line who don't demand the spotlight and the attention. And I will pass through. I will continue to work hard. I've got plenty of time left. But my goal is to hand that baton off because that's what good mothers do. Mm. (laughs) You just put that so beautifully. I mean, I just got chills listening to that whole thing. I mean, all of it. And I have to say to our listeners, as I've mentioned before on the show, When Adriana says things like that, she means it. And we have mentioned over and over again how absolutely you are so supportive, not only of our show, but of us, meaning Anthony and I. And it it is like a mothering in you. Well, I think it's it's a mothering, but it's also a mentoring, but it's not even those things. Yeah. More of a locking of arms. Mm. It's about our cultural history. If we don't talk about these things, if we don't preserve what was this glorious history that we share and the insanely fabulous common experiences of things like eating in the garage and (laughs) getting tomatoes in the basement and knowing our own clothes and our weddings and the way we move through the world. Who's going to do it? And in this world where things are so rapidly changing, and by the way, if you look at our Italian history, 
Italy was conquered by every every country, every personage, every, uh, you know, people just, troops came through there all the time. Right. We are the great melting pot of humanity. And it seems to me as I travel, I don't care where I am, if I'm in South Africa or if I'm in England or if I'm here or wherever I am, people want to be Italian. <laughs> and the point is, this great sense of survival and artistry and this pride in immigration. We have to turn around and share this. We don't own this. This is thousands of years old in our people. And we're here because of it. Mm. It's not something you hoard. It's just for us. I implore everyone to look deep into themselves, you know, and take care of the least of our brothers and sisters because that's what they did in Hoboken when my grandmother got here and was working in a factory. That's right. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's true. That's what was each going other. on. Yeah. When my grandfather, in order to earn his citizenship, put on a uniform and went over and fought in World War One, along with, in his battalion, a lot of young men from Puerto Rico. People think the Puerto Ricans got here five minutes ago. They were here. <laughs> Learn your history. Read your history. You will be astonished. And don't let anybody tell you you don't own that bestseller list. Don't let anybody tell you that it belongs to the five people that went to fancy schools. It belongs to you, your stories, your history, your Italian-American experience. Don't make me start naming people. <laughs> Out, but you know Elizabeth Street and Lori Fabiano. Let's go to to Maria Lorino. I mean, we can keep going here. My friend who wrote the ravioli, the lost recipes in Hoboken. I, you know, uh, please. Yes. Start, Laura Shinone. Start looking. Lock arms. Start looking. Lisa Scottolini, my good friend. My friend David Baldacci. I have to throw a man in there. You got <laughs> to start to lock arms and understand what it is we are, and what makes us interesting to everybody else. Mm, well said. It's like a call to arms. I love it. I love when I get a chance to listen to you. You got to go down swinging this way. I look it's at so it. It's so true. And, you know, just because this is, of course, you know, airing on Mother's Day, I think that a large part of why, you know, you say everywhere I go, no matter what country it is, people want to be Italian. A large part of that is because of the types of mothers we have. Yeah, I think, you know, the the food, the sitting around the table, the loving. I mean, I remember growing up, you know, not that my American friends didn't have good mothers. It's not what I'm saying at all. But there was something in this house that I grew up in that started in a way with my mother and her cooking and her her housekeeping that made my friends always want to be here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There was something in, in the home that you just didn't. It was very right. Italian-American. It was a place where people felt welcome, well-fed, secure, safe, entertained. That's right. Can't forget that one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And it's good mother does in her home. Right. Celebrates and life. Celebrates life. That's what a mother does. and makes her children feel, because it may be the last time in your life you're ever going to feel that, mm. the center of somebody's universe. So many good quotes today, Adriana. I'm loving all of it. 
Well, Adriana, you've been so great. Thanks for taking the time to do this. As we wrap up, is there any message, anything you'd like to say to your own mother on this Mother's Day? Oh, to my mom? Uh Thank you. I love you, Mom, and thank you. Beautiful. Okay, everyone, now we're here with my mother, Stefanina Alfieri. I thought since it's Mother's Day, I would uh, speak to my own mother, of course, that that would be fitting. So, Mom, thanks for talking to me again. You're you're always up for uh, letting me sit you down at the kitchen table and ask you questions. <laughs> I appreciate it. I know that in Italy you didn't have Mother's Day, right? You were telling me that. Well, they did have a Mother's Day, but back then I didn't even know what Mother's Day Face the words because we never celebrated. We wouldn't. Like you just that. didn't think about just, it. No, like my family or most a lot of people run me. They, they don't know. Right. They don't know. But you think like people outside your town and maybe a, yeah, we're celebrating. I think that they like more of like Naples and go up and out. Yeah. Okay. So. I know, I mean, I know a lot of stories about Anon, your mother, of course, but um, do you, do you think you raised us kids differently than, than she raised you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, very different. Whatever my mother couldn't do for me, couldn't give it to me, I always try to do my best to give it to you guys, all yeah. four of you. Yeah. And you know that. I talk about it all the time. Yeah, now I do know that. And, like, you're not just talking about, like, money. No, like everything. Everything Give me an example. Means, um, like, uh, if I want new pair of shoes, she cannot afford it to give it to me. If I want new dress, it was always fight because she says, I have no money. What do you want me to do? So it was always like that, like everything else. Right. When you're young, you don't understand these things. Right. Now, having four kids after so many years, I know what she meant. Right. But back then, I won, I won, I won. <laughs> she said, I don't have it, I don't have it. You can do whatever you want, but I don't have it to give it to you. Well, you used to get mad at her. Yes. Yeah. Because you thought she just didn't want to give them to you. Well, because I was a kid, you know, yeah. I don't understand, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know, like, in some other ways, you gave us a lot of attention because maybe sometimes you felt like she didn't give you enough. Yeah, because, not because she didn't want to, because she always worked. She yeah. used to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go in the woods. In the woods, yeah. And then... Like, she would go collect wood. She would go collect wood for the fireplace. Right. Because we didn't have money to buy. Then after that, she used to come home at like 5 o'clock in the morning, 5.30, go back to work. So that's how she was. She was work from 3 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock at night. My gosh. And she was tired. Back then it was not like now. No matter where were you, uh, you were safe. Right. And everybody in my street, they used to watch you. I used to have a lot of mother. Yeah. Say that. Yeah. Funny, because I felt the same way growing up, yeah. but it was very different time, but I felt the same way. Like, yeah. I had a lot of mothers. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think that's a very nice thing about Italian women, that, you know, it's not just about 
your kids. No. You watch everybody, everybody else's yes. kids. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so you were you you worked really hard too. I mean, yes, we should, of course, <laughs> we should say growing up. But I think that I, like you just said, you know, you got older, right, and you realized that. Anon wasn't, you know, trying to be mean. She couldn't give you these things for a reason. And I think I realized too how hard you worked and then also how hard you wanted to do things differently than your mother. Yes, yes. Because you knew what it felt like when she was always working, but you thought she didn't pay, she was pay attention she to you. Right, right. So I could, I, you know, looking back, I can see how you, you really paid a lot of attention to us. <laughs> What I didn't have, you got it. Because you didn't have that. Right, exactly. Like I told you all the time, when I was kids, we would play in uh, in a street. Yeah. And when it started to get dark outside, all mother, they used to call their kids. And my mother never used to call me. And I felt so bad. Yeah. So I always say to myself, if the day comes that I'm going to be mother, I'm going to do different and, and you did. I did. I did. Maybe too much, but I no. Did. I mean, you did your best, and yeah. you know, we're all we all turned out great. You know, at the time, some things were hard, especially when you're growing up in an old-fashioned Italian family and you're living in New York and you have, you know, you're in America. But I don't think any of us would trade it for sure. You know, we would not trade a second of it. I, I know if my brothers and sisters were sitting here, they would say the same thing. And, you know, it's the same thing. Like, for me, when I was a teenager, you know, I hated it. I couldn't do anything. It felt like, you know, you were always on top of me. You were always watching me. You are always waiting up for me. You know, you get older and you see how it makes you the person that you are. And you see how your character maybe is different than other people's. Yes. And so you really, you know, you appreciate it. You sacrificed a lot to make sure that I turned out the way you were. Yeah, that I would be like a good person. And do you think you were different than American mothers because you came from Italy? Yeah. Yeah. You know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know the answer, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. All my friends that they came from Italy like me, you know them. They all like that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I was a little bit extra, but... How do you think in some ways, like, you know, looking back on the years, how do you think you were different? And not just you, and all the Italian mothers. How do you think you guys are different than, than American mothers in some ways? Well, not because I was different. When I came over here, it was in 67. Uh, where I come from, things were different. Yeah. It was not like it is today. Yeah. So... If you go out, you got to be on the such time and you got to know where you're going, what you're doing, because people would talk about you. It was very, very strict. Yeah. So when I come back over here, when I came over here, it was 67. That's what I remember my country. Right. So that's the way I raise you when I was back in 67. Yeah. Today it's all together. It's worse than it is over here. Yeah, I mean, we talk yeah. about this a lot on the show. No, you yeah. you kind of paused I, right, life I paused <laughs> and brought it here. And yeah. so even if it was 1995, we were still being raised as if it was 1967 yes. Yes. in Southern Italy. Right. And a lot of Italian-American kids feel that way. Feel that way. Yeah, yes. it's yeah. the old-fashioned values and, you know, in the end, we're grateful for them. But when you're growing up and you're a teenager, it's hard. But, well, you know. 
But it's also great. Exactly. Yes. You now know? at least, you know, oh, my mother did this, my dad did this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, even when I was a kid, I got to say, I always appreciated it. And I was always proud of it. But, you know, it was sometimes where it was hard. You wanted to go out with your friends and you couldn't. But, like, you know, stuff like that goes away in the end and it's stupid. Right, right. You know? Right. But the stuff that lasts is the stuff that you and, you know, you and daddy taught us and you, how you and daddy That's, raised yes. us. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is daddy, let's say, would get mad if we always wanted to go out with our friends. Because, you know, you, you needed to be with the family and it would be hard. But now... I don't know. The times with my friends, I love my friends, but they don't seem as much to me as the because time with the, the family. Because for them too. Yeah. You know, yeah. life will go different place, different road, different yeah. things. But your family stays. But your family stays all the time. Yeah. That's why family comes first. Yeah. No matter what. Like a lot of Italian mothers, I remember you never resting and you're still that way. You are always doing stuff. Panga. Yes. Amen. Knock on wood. You still do that, you know, you're, even though you're older now and stuff, you're always, you know, you cook for our family, but you also are always cooking for our extended family, you know, our friends. I feel like Italian mothers are very good at that, you know, they're very good at knowing how to bring everybody together and keep everybody together. Yeah. So you didn't really learn that from your mom because no. she didn't have that kind she of life. No. So how did you learn that? To be that way. Well, I got to tell you the truth. I learned with daddy's mom and dad. When I start go out with daddy, Anon, daddy's mom, she was different than my mom. Right. Because she didn't have so hard because she had Anon. My yeah. mother, she had nobody. It right. was only her. Right. So I learned a lot of things from her. Okay. Back in Italy and back when they were over here. That's, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah she was more of like a traditional, traditional Italian mother right. that you think yes, of. Yes, yes, yes. She want her family to be together, our kids not to fight, not to, to do things that it would make trouble. She was different. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because... I did learn from them. That I gotta say. Yeah. But don't forget, I was 13 when I started. 14 when I started to go to daddy's... Right, when you yeah. met when you met so Daddy. I grew up with that. So. Right. So she really influenced you. Yes, a lot. A lot. Yeah, no, I remember her, she was like a classic nonna. Yeah. You know? Always ready to feed you, hug you. Oh, even if you go to Nona at three o'clock in the morning. No, no mom that one pasta. She would get up at three o'clock in the morning and do Yeah. Food. She would make it, yeah. yeah. I remember too with like in high school. People always wanted to be here. All my friends, they always wanted to be here. It was more warm, I guess. It was warm, yeah. A family oriented, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I think we all played a role in that, but you played a really big role in that. I mean, what do you have to do as a mother to make a house like that for your family? Love your family, love your friends, and be always nice and be warm. Be warm. Yeah. I mean, Daddy helped, too. He was a Daddy lot of fun. Helped. <laughs> Daddy helped a lot. He was a lot of fun. He loved having people over. Yeah. So all the people I spoke to for this episode, at the end, I asked them if there was anything they wanted to say to their mother on this Mother's Day. So <laughs> I'm going to try and tell you without crying how much I love you. <laughs> We're already crying. And that you've been the best mother a girl could ask for. You. <laughs> We're such dorks. 
I love you, mommy. I love you too. <laughs> It's now time for the Italian-American story segment of the episode. This is the part of the show where we try to bring you back to your family gatherings, conversations. We try to play a recording or a story from one of our listeners or our own relatives or even read something that a listener submitted. In today's segment, Dolores and I are going to talk a little bit about the deep connection to Italy for Italian-Americans. Dolores recently wrote about this on our latest blog post on ItalianAmericanExperience.com. And it's something that we're both really interested in, of course, being passionate Italian-Americans. And we both experienced in different ways. Um, Dolores, of course, being first generation with her parents coming here from Italy. She's been back several times. For me, being fourth generation, for my great-grandparents coming here, I went back recently, found them, and experienced the whole thing kind of all in one shot at, at a later stage of my life as opposed to going there when I was younger. So it's two different angles, but no matter how you look at it, it's strong. Right, Dolores? Absolutely, Anthony. You know, I, it's funny because I always try to, you know, be really thoughtful when I write these blog posts. And I think in sitting down to write the one I wrote on Sunday, which I titled calling to the truth in your blood, seeing Italy with your own eyes. I think I realized even more so how much these trips I took to Italy with my family really impacted me and influenced me. You know, you and I talk so much about our differences, you know, first generation, fourth generation. And I think one of the sins of the first generation can be that we almost take how close we are to our heritage for granted. Yeah. You know, so in the sense that going to Italy was not really that big of a deal, you know, right. <laughs> and only really till I started doing the show and, and talking to so many people who are dying to do that. Did I, you know, start to realize, wow, that was really a gift. You know, I didn't go every summer like some of our guests like Rosella went every summer. I didn't right. do that. But, you know, we did take trips. And when I wrote this post for Sunday and just thinking about it, I, I really think it got inside me. And I mentioned how like later on, much later from that first trip I took when I was old enough to kind of understand what I was seeing. Right. That when I sat down to write my memoir, The Dreams That Break Your Heart, I used all of that in it. You know, sure. I how else could I write about my mother's village? Yes, she's told me so many stories. Yes, I did research, but it was the fact that I had been there. Absolutely. You know, that really made these chapters come alive. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I guess just to clarify, I guess I should say third generation because I'm not going to count my great grandparents who came yeah, here. Yeah, I was thinking that. Just, be, <laughs> no, just because I want people to understand, you know, what our differences are because that's important as we're given different perspectives. But, right, right. And the same thing for me in my book, 40 Days in Italy, Con la Mia Familia, I mean, for, you know, 30 some odd years, I heard some things talked about my family, even after a couple of years ago when I started this process, sitting down and talking with my grandparents about it and recording them, which some of you have heard on the podcast, is still only one degree. And then when I actually went last summer, it's completely different. You don't really understand it until you, in my opinion, until you go there and see it because people can paint all different kinds of pictures. They can show you literal pictures, photos, videos, but... I think until you're standing there on the ground and seeing some of these villages, 
even in today's world, seeing how they are today, it still kind of makes you feel like, holy crap, this is where my family <laughs> lived like <laughs> over a hundred years ago. No, I mean, like I was standing on the street where... Have we ever used that phrase on the show? I'm not sure. It might be the first. <laughs> well, I don't want I don't want to have to mark this parental advisory. Oh, exactly. So. Bleep. All right, uh, go ahead. <laughs> So I was standing on the street where Antonio Fasano was born in 1889 in Controne, Italy, which was unreal. You can't envision that sitting in your office or studio in northern New Jersey or New York. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. Until you're there. And, you know, one thing, again, like for me as first generation, I know my Italian relatives, you know, I, I'm in touch with them. I see them growing up. My father always you know, made us get on the phone with them even. And I would be embarrassed because my Italian wasn't so great. You know, that's like a classic first generation story, I think. And when you went to Italy, like you found your relatives, that's when I really realized how incredible it is. And you have connected your family. I know your family very well. And you guys have gone along all these years not knowing your Italian relatives. And then you did all this you know, work and you went there and you, now you have family in Italy. Yeah, exactly. That's the amazing, amazing. thing. And, and that's really, for me, what the reason I wrote my book, 40 Days in Italy, is because the feeling was so powerful that I kind of felt like more Italian Americans have to experience this. And I think in a lot of ways they can. And I think a lot of people write it off like, I don't know anyone. I don't have anyone left. I don't have any relatives there. And the bottom line is, is you absolutely might. And Right. I was 35 a few years ago when I said, I don't want to just tell people I'm Italian anymore. I want to tell people where I'm from, about where in Italy I'm from. And when I started looking into it, it was only then that I was able to uncover things and connect with people. So I guess, I guess my point is that it doesn't matter what your age is and it doesn't matter how many people you actually know or have talked to. You can roll up your sleeves yourself and try to figure some of it out. And you can also find people that can also help you. And that's actually kind of one of the things that Dolores and I are focused on right now, which is the reason that we're, we're kind of talking about this is because through the Italian American experience, what we've always wanted to do is help Italian Americans connect with their heritage, their background, their history. That's important for Dolores and I, I mean for ourselves, but we also want to help you as the listener do that. And that's why we created the podcast. That's why we write articles on a regular basis. That's why we have written books, working on another book together. You know, all these things are done to help you get that experience which is why Dolores and I continue to think of ways that we can help you get that experience even more. Again, you're reading, you're listening, maybe you're watching a video, so now you're seeing more, it's more visual. The next step there from our perspective is to actually go back there. Exactly. And, and feel it, taste it, walk on the ground, do everything. And that's why our latest venture, we're teaming up with Cassandra Santoro of Travel Italian Style, who's told her story on the podcast and, you know, we just kept coming back to, you know, we need to talk to Cassandra and see if she can help our listeners potentially go just like I went. Absolutely. And, you know, Anthony, you, you mentioned that you went from being this Italian American who, you know, just went around saying, oh, I'm Italian American, you know, I have a big family, we have Sunday dinner to now, you know, if somebody comes up to you and, and you start talking about being Italian American, you can say, yeah, I've been to Italy. I know where my family comes from. Yeah, I have relatives in Italy. I talk to them often. 
just a totally different connection to your heritage than the one you had before you did that. Totally different because now even when someone says to me like, oh, I'm Italian or even if you know, I'll be like with a, my son maybe at one of his games and I'll meet another guy and he'll tell, introduce himself. Oh, you're Italian? Yeah, yeah. Where are you from? Where's your family right. from? Right. Like, you know, oh, really? Oh, well, my family's from here. I'm, I, I was on the farm this summer. It's great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Basically, like I approach those conversations completely different now because telling me you're Italian is just that's scratching the surface. At yes, this point. exactly. Exactly. You have so much uh, more to offer now, such a more honest connection and approach to that. And another aspect of this that we talk about a lot on the show is how beautiful Italy is, of course, and, and what a different way of life and, you know, la dolce vita and all that. And one thing I write about in the post is it's also important to understand why your ancestors left. And yeah. when you go to Italy, that's part of what you see. I mean, I describe it as the beauty and the beast of Southern Italy. And it's actually part of why it's so beautiful. You know, I've mentioned before how much I love Napoli because Napoli is this gorgeous city. It's also a mess in a lot of ways, but you put the two together and it's so unique and beautiful in its own way. But the villages where my parents grew up are very similar. Yeah. It's not perfect. It's not idyllic. It's not a Hollywood movie no, it's where not. You know, you're in Tuscany and there's all these gorgeous people and, you know, the, everything's, you know, wonderful and in technicolor. It's really not like that. And as I write about in my post, for me, one of the most moving things is, you know, growing up, my parents, of course, always talked about where they came from, how hard they worked to take our family to the point where they had taken it. And when I went to Italy, and more so especially my mother's side, my mother was much more poor than my father. She grew up basically with a single mother and and it was a, very hard her life. You know, my father was, I would say, a little better off, but still it was, you know, it was a hard life. We went, I remember the first time we went to her house where she grew up. So you have to picture me in America in this modest but really nice four-story home, you know, growing up with never hungry, never wanting anything. And you kind of listen to everybody talk about, oh, la miseria, la miseria. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you go to Italy and we knocked on the door of where she'd grown up and the woman was nice enough who lived there now to let us in. And I remember I couldn't believe my eyes. It was so different than anything I could have imagined my mother, you know, my mother right. growing up in. From what you knew of her. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this woman who kept this beautiful home, who who, you know, paid the mortgage on that home every month without fail, who kept us kids always looking presentable. And I remember the first thing I just said, I looked at her and I said, you grew up here. She says, yeah, I grew up here. Yeah. And then she looked at me and she said, don't you ever forget how hard me and your father have worked. Yeah. And mm. yeah. And I didn't. You know, I couldn't after that. It hit home. I mean, she had an outhouse, Anthony, an outhouse. Well, and I saw uh, the outhouse. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have an outhouse anymore by the time we went, obviously. But, you know, she showed us where it was. And, and it wasn't it just, you know, wasn't the most beautiful home, but it was her home. And, and I'll never get that image out of my mind. And it made me understand what my mother really had been through to get from there to here. Yeah. No, you're right, Dolores. You really have no, you can't really fathom it until you actually, like I said, you see it. And I do think that the reason that 
I'm passionate about it, and I'm, I'm sure you are as well, in, in helping people to go there is because it really changes your outlook on your own personal journey forever. Like I said, when I talk to people now, if I know someone's Italian, that's just my initial introduction to them. Then I want to learn a lot more about where they're from, their heritage, their the towns in Italy. Do they know any traditions from there? You know, I mean, obviously part yeah. part of this is like you and I do this a lot. So we're really interested in this. But I think just even before we were doing the podcast into this depth, it still made me so much more interesting going through that myself or interested in it because of that. And I think that it's right. uh, it's something that if you have the abilities to go back to your ancestral village, even if you don't have living relatives there, still going back to that village exactly will absolutely blow you away. And I'll tell you one thing right now, just to be totally transparent here. If you've been to Rome or Florence, you know, on these trips and you're eating and you're not going, when you go to Southern Italy for a heritage tour, you're not going to Rome. That's right. Now I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying if your perception is, yeah, we're going to Italy, we've got, you're not going to Rome or Venice for, Mm-mm. for that kind of a trip. Mm-mm. Now that doesn't mean that it's not going to be amazing in like a lot of senses right. of the, of the, you know, the word, but it's just different. It's the, the, the atmosphere is different. The way things are laid out is different. It's, a to- it's almost a different country, some people yeah, would say. But it's where you're. <laughs> but it's where you're from. Right. I mean, I would go as far as to say that if you've been to Florence and Milan, and you want to say that you've been to Italy and seen, and you're Southern Italian, you know, and you've gone to Florence or Milan, and you want say that you've seen Italy, I will say you have not. Right. That's right. how different Southern Italy is, and how important it is if you are Southern Italian to go there. Right. To go to the South, 100%, you know? Right. Right. So like, like if my kids, for example, who are young, they tell their teacher, you know, I'm Italian. And the teacher says like, well, have you been to Italy? If they would have, would have only said like, yeah, we went to Rome here and that. From my perspective, that's not where they're from. You know what I mean? Like that, you know what I mean? So the fact that they can say like, oh yeah, we visited our family. We were on the farm. You know, we help them with their olive oil, you know, whatever the case may be. So amazing. To me, that says, I know where I'm from. You know, I've been there. I've done that. So like I said, we're partnering up with Cassandra Santor of a travel Italian style. And if you're interested in just having a short phone call with Cassandra to find out a little bit more about how you can take this trip, get her assistance in kind of planning and some of the genealogy work around it. You can go to italianamericanexperience.com forward slash travel and fill out a very short, quick and easy form um, and she'll get in touch with you. And also, I just want to let everyone know, you can also email us, of course, and Dolores and I recently changed our emails to upgrade to our new website. So it's Anthony at ItalianAmericanExperience.com or Dolores at ItalianAmericanExperience.com. But don't worry, the old ones still work and get to us. Um, But feel free if you want to email us or go right to ItalianAmericanExperience.com forward slash travel and put in some information. We really were like really passionate about this if you haven't been able to tell that already. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't noticed, you know, Anthony, I want to mention very quickly, because just because of the timing that actually right now, Cassandra and her team on the ground, she has a great team on the ground, experienced team in Italy who execute these tours. They have a client who's on a heritage tour right now. and, And actually this weekend, Cassandra was texting us pictures that were being sent to her and the client they were literally picking up cousins off the street. They found so many. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, that's a good point, Dolores. <laughs> this is not like this is not like I want to go to the region where my family came from. 
This is Cassandra wants to help you try to either find relatives, find literal locations where your family was and dig deep with like a genealogist and some assistance. Not necessarily. I mean, like it's great to go to the region as well. But what Dolores is explaining is they were taking people to find literal cousins, basically. Yeah. And, you know, you can't guarantee that that's the way it's going to be for every client. But it's totally possible is my point. I mean, this is another Italian-American who did not know any of his Italian relatives. And he's now having literally the time of his life picking up cousins and traveling with them and having dinner with them and meeting blood relatives that he's never known. And he will never be the same. Yeah, it's not that out of the ordinary either. I mean, when I was there, when I went to Sarno, where my great-grandparents came from. This is the one area where I didn't have any connections there, that I didn't make any connections beforehand. And I happened to be talking to people at one of the coffee shops, and I mentioned my name, and the guy's like, oh, I know someone with that name. And he's like, she, maybe she's related. And then all of a sudden, literally five minutes later, she walks by. Like, she walks by. <laughs> and he's like, oh, there she is. Like, introduce me. And then, like, wow. I'm talking to her, and then she's telling me her brother looks just like me. Like, Amazing. it's like crazy stuff. So I guess my point is that... You can say all you want that I don't have living relatives in Italy, but you really have no idea. <laughs> you don't, right? You don't, and and it's worth the investment of time and money if this kind of thing is important to you. Which I'm assuming, if you're listening to our show, it is. It's it's an investment in your your spirit, you know, your soul and your blood. I mean, your DNA. It's, there's nothing that can compete with that. Yeah. So we just wanted to talk for a few minutes here about it. We're passionate about it, and. We're going to continue through the Italian-American experience trying to help you as an Italian-American connect with your heritage the best way you can, whatever it is. Like We have a lot of different options. We're trying to create right. different channels for you because we know everyone right. does it differently. Some people like the videos, the podcasts, our blog articles, maybe doing some travel with Cassandra. There may be some other things we're working on like books, et cetera. But we want to give you the opportunity to say, I want to connect the most of my Italian heritage and help my children to do that too. Exactly. So we're going to continue to try to do that. And if you have ideas, you you know you can always reach out to Dolores and I. We're open. We love hearing from the listeners about what you like about the show, what you'd like us to maybe change, improve, or add to the show. We're always open to that. And, you know, we like to keep our relationship with you open so we can help you. Anthony, remind them where they can go to maybe get a 15-minute call with Cassandra and talk about this. Sure. So you could just go to ItalianAmericanExperience.com forward slash travel. There'll be a little form there you could fill out and then we'll be in touch with you and introduce you to Cassandra for your call. And remember, you can always email myself and Dolores at Anthony or Dolores at ItalianAmericanExperience.com. I hope you enjoyed our episode for today. We heard quite a bit about Italian-American mothers. I certainly want to wish all of you Italian-American moms out there happy Mother's Day. Um, Enjoy this one with your families. And I'm going to kick it over to Dolores so she could take us out. All right, Anthony. You can find us on social media. We are on Instagram at Italian-American. We are on Twitter at Ital-American. And we are on Facebook at Italian-American Podcast. Ci vediamo! 